0: Good morning everybody, happy after Thanksgiving, rather tripped up and out, I take it, great time of worship this morning, wasn't it, did you have a nice Thanksgiving, it's the uh, first Sunday of Advent, did you know that, got that slide, there we go, yeah, as uh, Will and Adam and Kevin getting ready to uh, sing a trio. I, I don't know if they have to try out or, or whatever. But this is the first Sunday of Advent, and uh, it's the beginning of the Christmas season. Anybody have anything weird happen by the way at Thanksgiving? Did you have like the turkey burned or the gravy burned or somebody dumped the cranberry sauce or anybody? No. Seems like something like that always happens at Thanksgiving. As far as Christmas is concerned, Charles Dickens once said, I have always thought of Christmas time as a good time of the year, a kind, forgiving, charitable time. The only time I know of in the long calendar of the year when men and women seem, by agreeing silently together, to open their shut-up hearts freely and to think of people below them as if they were really fellow passengers to the grave and not another race of creatures bound on other journeys. I love that. Same guy that wrote the Christmas carol. I want to talk this morning about um, prayer, but something that's foundational to prayer that we often may miss. Have you ever uh, prayed for something and you know God has put it on your heart or perhaps it's a, a desire of your heart and you pray and, and then you pray some more and then you fast and pray and you get a stomach ache and all you can think of is donuts, Right. And when are you going to get to McDonald's next and you have a caffeine headache perhaps or something. And you you keep praying and you feel led to pray and sometimes you get charged up to pray. You ever made that connection with God where um, you feel as if the the window of heaven is open and you pray a, a huge prayer and you think, that did it. That did it. And still nothing happens. And sometimes prayer can feel like this. Sometimes when we're talking to God, it feels a little like shouting into the wind at a person on the other side of the lake. It takes a whole lot of energy, and nothing happens. No matter how hard you yell, the person on the other side just goes on doing what they are doing and never even look up. It's not that they turn down your request. It's just that they don't hear you. Have you ever felt that way about God? I asked how, our, how your thanksgiving was, how is our thanksgiving to God? How is our thanksgiving to God? Are we only thankful when God answers on our timetable the way we want to have it answered, the way we think it should go? God did it my way. You know, you kind of, you, you know, God has a wonderful life for my plan. How is God going to manage this? And I've got to make sure that I manipulate it. Now, we have people in the Bible that did that. They heard from God and they manipulate. Oh, you don't have a son? Here, sleep with the handmaiden. Not a good idea. Uh, it didn't turn out very well. God's plans are much bigger. I want to address an area of prayer today that I think is at least as big as the answer itself. At least as big as the answer itself when we get it seemingly no answer at all. And by the way, no is an answer, but silence is really hard to take, is it not, when it comes to prayer. And before I have someone pray, Zach, <laughs> yeah, Zach doesn't have anything to be thankful for, by the way, he has no answers to prayer of late. No? Is that why they ask you to pray? I I have a question for you, and I want you to hold this question in your mind. Do you have or did you ever have a praying grandmother in your life? So Zach, if you would uh, pray for the sermon, please. Uh, Pray for Pastor Kurt and pray for another church. That would be wonderful.
1: All right, let's do this. God, we come before you today uh, grateful, grateful for family, for friends, for a church that serves and a church that makes a difference in our individual lives and um, in in the lives of our community. Uh, We want to pray for Pastor Kurt while he is absent. Likely he's watching live. Hi, Pastor. And um, we also want to pray for uh, Eastside Foursquare Church. And we want to pray also for the message that's being delivered today. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ that we would get this prayer thing because so many of us, me included, I'm shouting in the wind sometimes. However, uh, you do answer prayer, God, in, in your timing, and we know that to be factual because we can see the evidence everywhere around us continually. So God, help us in our faith and help uh, this sermon to be delivered in your way, in your time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Zach.
0: Okay, are we good? Okay, thanks for the clock. <laughs> Thanks for the Does that sound like Kurt? Hi Kurt, you're probably listening. I just just, yeah. Let's read from Luke 1, verses 5 through 25. It all begins with a Jewish priest named Zechariah, who lived when Herod was king of Judea. Zechariah was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and now they were both old. Zechariah was in the sanctuary when an angel of the Lord appeared, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was overwhelmed with fear, no doubt. angel of the Lord said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Isn't it usually the case that when God says, don't be afraid, it's too late. <laughs> I'm already shaking in my boots. For God has heard your prayer. There's a comma there, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice with you at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he will many Israelites to turn to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah the prophet of old. He will precede the coming of the Lord, preparing the hearts for his arrival. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will change disobedient minds to accept godly wisdom. Boy, what a kid this is going to be. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I know this can happen? I'm an old man now. My wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, "Abriel." Take a look at that exclamation point. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Sorry about the uh, typo there. And now, since you didn't believe what I said, you won't be able to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly come true at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah to come out, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he... Couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures that he must have seen a vision in the temple sanctuary. He stayed at the temple until his term of service was over, and then he returned home. Soon afterwards, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. I just want to make a few points this morning about this. Hey, it's great the Seahawks aren't playing until tomorrow night because I can preach a long time, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. In your hearts, you're going, no, no, no. You know, it says that Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes and careful to obey all of God's commandments and regulations. Zechariah and Elizabeth had done all the things that seemed necessary to please God, they weren't perfect. But no, no one could accuse them of publicly doing anything wrong, you know, as far as God's ways. And after all these years of living, right, I imagine they thought that they had earned the right to have a son. And besides that, that was the blessing of God. Have you ever felt like you deserve something from God because you filled up your dance card with good works? <laughs> I got it punched a number of times, God. It's true that we can do nothing that deserves God's favor and kindness, but God is full of grace. He's full of grace. And he lovingly listens and he notes when we pray and as we live for him. God has taken notice of their prayers. He's taken notice of their prayers. More than that, he heard the cry from their hearts for a son. God was about to break through with an answer, way more than anyone could have asked or dreamed. Zechariah didn't know it, but Jesus' coming to earth was just over a year away. Isn't that cool to think about? Zechariah didn't know. Zechariah gets a a once-in-a-lifetime priestly opportunity to get into the holy place. By the way, just because you're a priest didn't mean that you automatically got to go to the holy place and burn the incense at the altar of incense, which was to be the presence of God and the prayers of the saints. But by lot, Zechariah had drawn to be able to be in there. Here is his once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to pray in the holy place, making prayers to God, and boom. I mean, it was probably a lot more than that. An angel shows up. It says that Zachariah was troubled and fear fell upon him. All of a sudden, the priestly custom was rote no longer. Yeah, I've got to go in. I'm going to burn the incense. I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to be done after a week. But the situation changed dramatically. Fear not, Zechariah, for your prayer has been answered. I wondered before on that comma, your prayer has been answered. I wonder if Zachariah thought, which prayer? The prayer for a son? You're a bit late on this one, aren't you? I prayed this a long time ago, and I don't want it now. You've noticed that we're too old, right? And the King James says they were stricken in years. Those of us over 40, you feel stricken in years every once in a while? Stricken in years. Forget about having kids. I can't even get out of bed in the morning. Again, which prayer are you talking about? Just exactly what Zechariah was praying for what was he praying for at the altar of incense? If he had already prayed for a son and it was past, what was he praying for now at the altar of incense? If he had already prayed for a son way back there with Elizabeth and it never came to pass, what was he praying for at the altar of incense? Some Jewish scholars have said this. Jewish scholars have said at the altar of incense, often the priest would pray for the salvation of the world. You get this? He'd prayed for a son, and maybe he's praying for the salvation of the world. And by the way, he's going to get both of those prayers answered because his own son, John, is going to lead the way for Messiah to come And give us the opportunity to receive him. So perhaps in the past, he prayed for a son. And in the present, maybe he's praying for the salvation of the world. And probably those outside are praying something similar, outside of the holy place. And he's going to get the same, he's going to get an answer to both of those. How can I be sure of this, he says. That's a great question. How can you be sure of that? I think sometimes we make God our errand boy, our golden retriever. I'm not putting I'm not trying to put this in some humorous light. And really and truly that God has a wonderful life for my plan and I try to figure it out by myself and get it done. Oh, you put it in my heart, I'll do it. When he puts it in our hearts, he wants to bring the fulfillment. Because the fulfillment that he will bring is so much more huge than our puny little mind could ever imagine or think. And I can think and imagine about a lot of stuff, but it's, it's way, way, way microscopic compared to what God is going to bring about. God is not our errand boy. God is not our slave. God is not the one who retrieves things for us. He is God Almighty Almighty who spoke the worlds into existence, who created us from dust and gave us breath to live. He is the one that sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, puts his trust in him, won't die but have everlasting life. That's the God we serve. That's the God that Zachariah was praying to. And Gabriel makes it very clear to Zachariah that he has been heard about a son. About a son. Even though it was probably way back there. Way back there when he prayed it. God hears us. It's remarkable. And it's extraordinary. To be heard by God is incredibly fantastic. Let me say it one more time. Because I, I, I'm so... this is like mind-blowing to me. Maybe it's really simple, something you you already thought about, but the fact that he hears us is remarkable and extraordinary. To be heard by God is incredibly fantastic. Uh, There was probably 10 scriptures in the Psalms that I pulled up on the Lord heard my voice. Here's one from Psalm 116, verse one. I love the Lord because he hears my voice. David didn't say because he answered my prayer. I know I've been heard by God. When I was praying for a place for us to live this summer, I prayed and didn't know how God would would answer, but I was so thankful because at one point, long before I knew the apartment was ours, when I prayed, I had the assurance that God would bring it. Did I still fret and worry? Uh, A little bit after that, but not as much. Not as much because I know he had heard my prayer. And the assurance of having God hear us is the beginning of that prayer being answered. I have a a relative that came over in the 1620s and 30s from England. His name was Peter Thatcher. When I read his diary, when I read his diary at Harvard, I got to kind of, not sneak it out, but I got to have it for a couple hours, and I made copies, and you know, I probably shouldn't have done that, but you know, my name was Thatcher, so they had mercy on me. And I read about Peter Thatcher, and here's what I read about him, that he was a teacher, <laughs> he was a pastor, and he was a doctor. Now, I could never do that, but I, <laughs> I had the first two in common with him. And here's what I read about, and here was a quote from his diary, I'm praying for future generations to know the living God. He was praying for me. He probably didn't even think maybe, I don't know, I don't think he probably thought any more than two or three, four generations ahead. And it was more. It was more than he could ever think or ask for. More than he could ever think or ask for. The timing of God's answer is not up to me. It's still clear that I'm to pray and remain faithful in prayer. I don't pray once and name it and claim it. Nope. You hear that? You know, name it and claim it. I got it. No, it's it's more than that. It's knowing you've been heard, being faithful in prayer, and holding on to the promise that the Lord gave you. God's answer is not up to me. He hears the cry of my heart. Jesus is interceding for us as well. That's, to me, just... That's absolutely, I, I, why would you do that, Jesus? Do you know me? Well, yeah. Do <laughs> you know me, Jesus, and you're interceding for me? You're asking the Father on my behalf for this to happen? In the same way, God took note of Zachariah's prayers the first time he prayed for a son. God heard him. He heard the cry of his heart. God does not delay in answering our prayers. Second Peter says, as some count delay or slowness. And Galatians 4, 4 through 6, Paul says this. In the fullness of time, that is the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law so he could adopt us as his very own children. Think about that. At the, when the right time had come, when the fullness of time was right, that's when God sent his son not when the Jews were clamoring for it, not when they were asking for a political Messiah or a spiritual Messiah, when you're going to destroy our enemies and establish your kingdom here. The fullness of time that God had set and the circumstances that God had set, that's when he sent his son to us, to earth, so that we would know him. When he's heard us, we have the assurance that he's going to send his answer. Back to Luke 1. Gabriel doesn't say, You old fool, don't you know who I am? <laughs> I'm not sure I would know it was Gabriel. <laughs> you know, hi. <laughs> yeah, my knees got weak. I mean, I just, you know, I. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know who I am? You're a priest and you serve in the temple and you don't have a clue? And remember Father Abraham? He thought he was too old too. Instead of reprimanding Zechariah, Gabriel says, I am Gabriel, and here's what it literally says. I stand in the presence of God and am a guard at the throne of God and do his bidding. And the way that reads in the literal is, I am am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God. I am standing in the presence of God now, and I'm standing right here before you, Zechariah, that you would know that there is a God who has heard you. Now, that's like holographic before you ever had a hologram. How is that? And I think Zachariah understood it too. And that's probably what it scared him, not just the appearance of the angel. Oh, you're, you're there and you're here. How does that work? Wow. I don't know. It, it, it got to me. And by the way, Zachariah, since you don't have anything good to say, you're finished talking for a while. Hey, if he talks to an angel like that, what do you think he says to his wife at home? <laughs> She's probably really glad about that. <laughs> Oy, they took away your voice. Why did God do that? Well, personally, I know this. The places that I have been, you know, I've been a worship leader since I can remember, uh, since I got saved, and I, I've been in several churches in the worship pastor, And, you know, I could pat myself on the back doing all those good things. But um, when I came to Lake Sam and Troy was on his way out and my wife and I were coming here, it was like, see, God did this. Now I'm going to be the worship pastor. See how this worked out? I prayed and God answered just the way I wanted. Oh, this is so wonderful. And then it was like, we want you to be on the steering team. Where are we steering to? Is there a place that, is there a destination that we're going because I, I, you don't understand, I'm, I'm, the big, I, I'm the answer to your prayers. Now, don't ask the steering team if that's true, okay? Because they would tell you that. Uh, but see, in my mind, i would manipulated this thing to, oh, yeah, I get it. And when I was told I was going to be on the steering team, uh, confession time, is this okay to do this here? Conf- <laughs> yes, please. Uh, I, I didn't like that so much, and I didn't have very many good things to say about it to Maureen. Say a Think about it. I complained about it. You know what? Sometimes when God wants to do something new, and we don't see it, it would be better to say nothing. Because really and truly, in the moment, we don't have much to say unless it's bad. And it'd be better. It's not that you don't have a testimony. That's not what I mean. It's not that you can't say that God is at work. But if you're not willing to accept the new thing, it'd be better if you just kind of, you know, my son once said, you know, people can keep their mouth shut. They really can. <laughs> people learn, need to learn it. And I thought, he's, he's talking to me. <laughs> you know? yeah, I, I, I need to learn to keep my mouth shut. Because this new thing that God did and the direction that, that uh the Holy Spirit was showing Pastor Kurt it was really cool because I have learned so much from these people that are half my age. I've learned that I don't know it all. Thank you, Jesus. That they know a lot that I don't know. They have a tenderness. They have a wisdom. They have an insight that I don't have. And thank you, God, that you have not made me the worship pastor at Lake Sam. I treasure the relationships. I have with these, and I mean this, with my new friends, and really with a church family. That is my small group. And sometimes I chafe under that, but it's really a great thing. I learned that every group needs an Amy Iwasaki. (laughs) If you know, yeah, is that true? You know that, raise your hand. Every group, every bigger kind of a, yes, uh, and we have all these answers and all these questions, you need an Amy Iwasaki to be like the empath, you know, like Deanna Troy. I don't want to use that metaphor too, good, too much. But, you know, you need somebody to talk that through so you know what, what people are saying. Oh, that's what Kevin meant when he said that I was an idiot. He really didn't mean that. Okay. He meant, and see, I think it's a good idea that Zachariah stopped talking. I think it's a good idea. You might think, well, didn't you have good intentions? Well, we're judged by our actions, not our intentions. You may have a heart of gold, but so does a hard-boiled egg. <laughs> That's the way I feel. I have good intentions, though. So. And walking through this process with a worship steering team has not been easy. Because, see, I was the one in charge for years. I was, I, Seriously. It came down to me, and I think that pressure, and I, you know what, I don't have anything to prove with that anymore. Isn't that cool? No, no, really, serious. If you've had that kind of weight in your life, and you don't have to carry it anymore, wow, thanks God, that's great. For this season, I can share that. For this season, and by the way, there are certain seasons, and as I get closer to 60, and I'm gonna be 60 next summer, there are seasons in, in life that you need to embrace or you will probably be better if you didn't talk. I've I, I learned that the hard way. You know, personally, um, I, just, I, I just thank God for the worship steering team. I want to say that again. For each and every one of them. For Kevin, um, for Adam, for Kara, for Amy, for Will for Amy Iwasaki, it is um, a pleasure to work with them. And t- as iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. And I love that. And I'm learning to embrace it. It's new. Pastor Kurt pointed that out last week and I was embarrassed because I just thought, you know, <laughs> it's them, you know, it's the team. And then Adam said, thank you to you. I think that has a lot, that, that has a lot to do with it, you, that, that you've embraced this. It's very different. I want to go back to that quote about yelling across the lake. I don't think that prayer should be like someone yelling across the lake at God who doesn't seem to be paying attention. In fact, um, if I could have Zach and Jade and... um, What was your name again? Jesse. Um, Let's get cracking, McCracken. Um, If you can come up for a minute. Now, imagine if... (laughs) Imagine if the three of, uh, uh, this is the Godhead, okay? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. At, really? <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's a, that's a good Holy Spirit. Um, imagine if they were way in the back. Hey, hey, God. What if they were in one of the kids' room? Hey, God. And they're just talking. But if you can kind of turn this, this way towards me, like right here. Instead of yelling across the lake, I think it needs to be more like a huddle. Are
1: we, are we huddling?
0: No, yeah, you were huddling. Oh, okay. And you got your, no, you don't have to get down. Oh, no, well. you, don't, you don't get down. You're the Godhead. <laughs> hey, God, there's something on my heart that I would like to speak with you about. I think it needs to be more like that. Thank you. I think it needs to be more of a huddle. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been in some yelling matches with God. Have, <laughs> have you not been in some yelling matches with God? It doesn't take him by surprise. He doesn't go, oh, myself, what will I do? Greg is yelling at me. Okay? He, he doesn't take it like that, but the, the connection is, the connection is, God, I know you hear me, and I'm so thankful, and God is making note of it. God is making a note of it. Sometimes we um, have a place of great difficulty with Jesus. <laughs> I love that Carol said that last week. I had a real problem with Jesus. Zach's mom. <laughs> she not here today? It's Linda. <laughs> oh, sorry. Linda. Linda said, I have a real problem with Jesus. I thought, well, wow, how many problems do I have with Jesus? <laughs> I'm glad he doesn't keep a record. <laughs> and I want to give you an illustration from Luke 7, 36 through 43. This may not seem connected, but the connection I have with the Lord in that moment of prayer is more than just my words. It's my heart. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with an expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, didn't say it out loud, he said it to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman's touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, I have something to say to you. I think I would have left at that point. (laughs) Go ahead, teacher. And Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom had canceled the larger debt. And then Jesus goes on to say what Simon had not done and what the woman had done. And note, she never speaks a word in this. She never speaks a word. This woman, after all she had done, poured out all she had because she had found in Jesus the answer for all the things for which she did not have an answer to previously. And I believe that the cry of her heart became the tears at the feet of Jesus. And her tears washed over Jesus' feet. And by the way, the feet are considered the dirtiest part of the body by people in that culture. And here she is washing Jesus' feet with her tears. The tears coming from way down within her because she had found the answer to her prayer. The Savior who forgave her her 500 pieces of silver. And don't forget that silver is a sign of redemption There's a reason that Jesus used silver there. Maybe she cried and cried and cried before and she had no answer. But Jesus heard the prayer of her heart without speaking and he heard the thoughts in the heart of the Pharisee. He heard their heart. If we will give account for every idle word that we've spoken, and we will, God also hears the prayer and the cry of the heart. He heard their heart. Do you have a cry in your heart? Psalm 56.8 says this, You have taken account of my wanderings. You've put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? God keeps track. Vital to our understanding of prayer is being heard by God. It's the assurance of his answer being on the way. I didn't say that you'd see it. I didn't say that you'd see it. Let me say it one more time. Vital to our understanding of prayer is being heard by God, and that's the assurance of his answer being on the way. Okay, I'm running out of time. My brother in the back's going like this. Just kidding. Hi Chris, I love you. I love you man. I love who you are in Jesus. I'm so glad that you're my brother. Gabriel tells Zach everything he needs to know about his soon-to-be son. He says, his name's going to be John. God is favorable. He tells Zechariah that his son will fulfill the prophecy of Malachi 4, 5 and 6. And here it is. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the lamb with a curse." So, Zechariah goes mute. Elizabeth gets pregnant, marries to have Jesus the Messiah. Elizabeth has the baby. Zechariah gets his voice back after he writes this. His relatives say, you have to call him Zechariah. There's no one in your family named John, Elizabeth. And John, excuse me, Zechariah asks for uh, something to write with and he writes down his name is John. Finally, he agrees with Gabriel. And what great joy there is in knowing that you've been heard by God. I can rejoice and be more thankful than ever because being heard by God, the assurance of being heard by him, is the beginning of the prayer being answered. I'll go back to that praying grandma. You ever had a praying grandmother? I did. Can I show that picture? Though I'm somewhat ashamed of it. That was me. <laughs> look at that belt, man. Can you see that belt? Wow. That was me. I was in a band called Borrow Time. Do I look happy? Yeah, kind of. I love that band. Tom Lash uh, knows this band. Steve knows this band. And it was kind of my claim to fame. Um, rock and roll was my idol. Well, actually, I think I was my idol. But, you know, <laughs> I just... I love the band, and it would seem that to anyone else, maybe I was on top of the world. You can take that off now. By the way, that was taken by um, somebody you might know, Steve Poole. He was our, he was our band manager for a little while, our photographer. He looked a lot different than he looks now. <laughs> anyway, hi, Steve, if you're listening. Um, it seemed that I had the world by the tail, but believe me, it had me. I cried myself to sleep sometimes and I used drugs to ease the angst, whatever that was. I didn't like my family much. I was in counseling and that was a dirty word back then if you were a teenager and you were in counseling. So I told my friends I had to see a social worker. That sounded a whole lot more acceptable. I didn't get along with my dad very much at all. So I began adopting my other friends' families because they seemed to accept me more than my own. I argued a lot with everybody, especially my girlfriend, but God had a plan. My grandmother on my dad's side prayed a lot. Other relatives were praying for me as well, especially to get a haircut. (laughs) I see my haircut just right down the road here before it was a vision place. It used to be a haircut place. But quietly, God was in the works See, my, my brother came to faith in Christ and then my mom and dad came back to Jesus. My sister during that time told me that she got saved and I promptly talked her out of it. But God, don't you love that phrase, but God? I see that in the scriptures. But God heard my grandmother. In that very situation, God was there, hidden from the view of others perhaps, and especially me, but he was working. I worked at a gas station. People would come by and They wouldn't always get gas. Sometimes they'd stop by and they'd say, the Holy Spirit told me to stop and talk to you about Jesus. Do you know my parents? (laughs) Did they send you? Did my brother send you? I read Chick Tracks. Anybody remember Chick Tracks? You know, God comics, we call them. I'd run into Jesus people on the street, and they'd tell me about God, and I'd listen for a while, and then I'd get angry. But God was working through the prayers of my grandmother and a few others. I think my dad was praying too, because I heard God's name a lot, but it may have been in a different context. A few weeks before Christmas, this is why this time of the year is so important to me. It was a few weeks before Christmas, my first year in college, and I seriously thought about taking my own life. Things were not good. And in the middle of this thought, in the middle of making plans, the phone rang. It was my best friend, Ken. been best friends since about seventh grade, and we've been through a lot of life together, especially as teenagers. His family was my family, and vice versa. We were close, and thanks be to God, we're still close, even after a 20-year period of not talking to one another. He called me that night, and he said, What are you doing? Not much. I'm watching TV, you know. Why? Uh, I'm, you know, tired. I'm, well, I'm coming over, and we're going Christmas shopping tonight. Uh, not, too, uh no, not tonight. No, no, no. How about next week? I'm busy tonight. You are? Well, it's too late, Ken said. And within 15 minutes, he was out in front of my house honking his horn. We went to South Center that night. I said, I don't want to do this. I don't have much money. He sticks a wad of money in my hand, and he said, I got a, I got a raise and a Christmas bonus. Go to it. Buy presents not for you, but for other people. Go buy presents. See, I think I can do that. I bought a bunch of presents for my girlfriend's family, a couple from my family, sorry, Chris. Um, I felt really good about getting those things for others, especially with somebody else's money. <laughs> that was the nice part. Then we went to a fancy restaurant. Ken never, I never saw Ken spend money like that. We laughed a lot without any augmentations You know what I mean? He had Christmas joy, and it was just irresistible. He dropped me off. I went to bed that night thinking, life isn't so bad. And doing things for others is really cool. My thoughts of suicide subsided for a bit. You know, it snowed that Christmas Eve. It snowed a little. It was a good Christmas. Life seemed better, and then things went downhill again. I believe that because of my grandmother, Teresa, because of her prayers, because of the assurance she had of being heard by God. By the way, she called it praying through. Anybody remember that phrase? Praying through? She believed in praying through. When she used to explain that to me, I didn't understand what she meant, I do now. She called it praying through, that God intervened and saved my life that night, not just in this instance, but a number of other times as well, and I don't want to dramatize that. Fast forward four months after that Christmas, Ken and I committed our lives to Jesus the same night. (sighs) Wow. After all these years of God's way big grace and mercy in my life, I have a fantastic, extraordinary wife, wonderful kids, and even more wonderful grandchildren. I love my family. I'm learning to love my enemies. Remember the sermon about the neighbor from hell? If you haven't heard that one, he was my enemy. At least I thought he was. Bless him with a brick, Lord. I used to pray for him, all right? Don't forget that we were enemies and far from God at one time. He he alone brings us near to himself by his blood, by his death, and by his resurrection. I love giving the gifts and ministries away that God has entrusted to me over these last 40 years. Giving gifts to people still brings me great joy. <laughs> I learned a lesson before I was even saved that God showed me that he was at work and I didn't even see it. We found a church family we didn't think existed. God is so good. Can you say amen to that? Oh, I'm sorry. Can you say amen to that? Yes. Who do I call after receiving Jesus as Savior, do you think? Yeah, my grandma. You know what she said? I've been praying for you since before you were born. The way things were going, I wasn't sure I was going to live to see it. (laughs) My grandmother rejoiced that she had been heard and that I would be saved. And she didn't even know if she would live to see the fulfillment of it. Oh, God, you're so good. I have not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of people those things that God has prepared for those that love him. Let's come back to us here. Are you praying for something that you haven't seen answered? Are you, have you been hoarse because of prayer? Have you fasted and not received an answer? <laughs> God has heard the cry of your heart. As we pray in a place of intimate relationship with him, he takes to heart our prayers, our tears, and what comes from way, way down. He knows our frame that we're dust. He made us, he knows us, and because of that, he loves us. Psalm 6 is another one of those verses that talks about God hearing us. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord receives my prayer. It doesn't say answer. We should be thankful. I have screamed like that sometimes in prayer. We should be thankful that God hears us in the first place. The God of the universe who made everything top to bottom from something so astronomical to something so microscopic that he hears our prayer. That's something to be thankful for and something to look forward to in the Christmas season. That God is going to work a work that we never thought possible. I have a small present for you this morning. Ushers, did you get that? Did you get that present? I have a small present for you this morning. I hope it'll be a reminder of the joy that there is in the Lord hearing us. I know those presents are around here somewhere. Can we put up John 16, verse 24? Until now, you have not asked anything in my name. Ask, and you'll receive, and your joy will be complete. You know, Jesus isn't upbraiding his disciples here for not praying in his name. He's saying you haven't done it up to this point. Now you can do it. Now you can do it and your joy is going to be made full. I would like that little present that you're going to get. Maybe we can hand them out as people go out. I don't know. Do we have them there? Maybe? There we go. Maybe just take one per family. Thanks, Bruce. I believe that God would speak in his kindness to us this morning about what we think is unanswered prayer and the fact that he is at work because he's heard the cry of your heart. I remember being in church one Sunday. Before I knew Maureen, I didn't even know who the person was at the back of the church. I was 19 years old. I was newly saved. One thing I knew about getting married is I didn't want children. The kids next door were like, I think they were demonized. No, I'm kidding. But they seemed like they were. And I just thought, I don't want kids. But there was a, there was a, a woman in the back of the church with, a, with her six-week-old, standing in the back of the church, and her husband was up front at the church I was at. He was singing, and, the two, and, and the, one of the other uh, the, of their kids was there as well. And they came together as a family. And I looked at that family. And I said, I want to have a family like that someday. You know that was Maureen's sister and brother-in-law? God heard the cry of my heart. God hears the cry of your heart this morning. Let that small little present remind you that his love is towards you, that he's heard the cry of your heart, and he's going to answer. Now, I know the presents are still going out. That's okay. But would you take the the cup that's in front of you? Thank you. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Ransom, captive Israel. Lord, Israel waited a long time. You came to your own, and your own didn't know you. And Lord, we get to receive you. You've heard the cry of our heart, God, that we cannot be saved without you. And Lord, perhaps we've come to the end of ourselves and said, is this all? Is this it? And wonderfully, God, you say, no, this is not. There is something for you that I have for you. It's my precious son. And Lord, you hear the cry of every heart. And Lord, we take this cup with the bread in it, with a matza, Lord, that's been pierced, Lord, that's been um, scorched, and, Lord, your body underwent that on the cross for us, Lord. You heard the cry of our heart that we needed a Savior. You made us. You knew that we needed a Savior and sent your Son. Lord, we partake of this which is his body this morning in Jesus' name. And Lord, you said this is the covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Lord, how could I ever pick up this cup and not not remember you and not remember what you did for me? God, it was so personal. Lord, how can sin be so personal and so worldwide? Lord, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. We need a Savior. Without the shedding of blood, you said there's no forgiveness. Your blood was shed for us. Lord, we take this, your blood, representing you, what you did for us on the cross to eradicate our sin. In Jesus' name. Father, in Jesus' name this morning, we pray that our hearts would be prepared for you. You'll come. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, if we have not been thankful, if we have have thought that you have not heard our prayer, I pray the assurance of the Holy Spirit would come in right now and remind us that you care deeply for us, that our names are engraved on your hands. And that you cannot forget us. That's how great your love is towards us, God. Lord, this season, that we'd be that light that we heard about this morning. That we would, Lord, represent you. That we would stop and pray as we've heard. And ask you, God, how can we understand the Holy Spirit if we don't think that you've hurt us? How can we operate, Lord, if we don't think that you've hurt us? So thank you for hearing us, God. Thank you for hearing us in Jesus' name. Amen.